Sports. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Zach, we kind of talked about it last week. The Colts kind of, they're a three-phase team. They always seem to make plays on defense and special teams. I really thought going in, if the Packers were just clean on offense, right, and just didn't screw it up on special teams, didn't turn the ball over a bunch of times, that they'd be fine. The Colts just, do, this is what they do, man. They just, they turn you over, they make plays, they did it to the Packers. Tough loss, tough loss, a winnable game, but I thought that was the story, right? They just kind of screwed it up. They, they gave away the ball too much, and special teams hurt them at the end as well. Yeah, the Colts are uh, they're a tough three-phase team. They were really good on all three phases. Obviously, there's a huge advantage on special teams on Sunday, and I think that was kind of the difference. I think my big takeaway from the game is I thought the Packers actually outplayed the Colts for a big chunk of the game. No and doubt. I, I thought the passing game proved it could play at a really high level. It's a really good defense. So there was some encouraging parts. I mean, you turn it over four times and essentially sleepwalk through the third quarter. And, you know, Packers still had a chance to, to win the game in the, the end of the fourth quarter and an overtime there. So I understand why there's some some positivity come out of the game but yeah it, it was a tough loss after being up 14 no doubt I mean there's worse losses right you could have a, a loss to a good right. NFC team right but no it's still it hurts because the Colts are a good team and you had a 14 point lead a half so it, right. that, this one does hurt and it frustrates me a little bit Zach because I'm not a big Philip Rivers guy you know what I mean I watch him <laughs> and he's like it feels like you got him sacked on almost every other play yeah. but he like finds a way to wiggle out of it and he's throwing like flutter balls all over the place and he, guys are running wide open I'm not sure what the, uh, the defensive game plan was but guys just see that number 11 whoever number 11 was for the Colts just wide open all the time yeah. and it's just like Rivers kind of wiggling out of sacks and like throwing flutter balls and the Colts are running down the field it's like man it's it's kind of frustrating to watch the Colts work on yeah. offense it is yeah yeah the, the Packers had him under pressure actually a bunch in this game and you know he, he really doesn't have much of an arm he, he can't really push it downfield he had the, a lollipop throw on a corner to T.Y. Hilton I think for a big game but you know he was doing and a whole bunch of short stuff. And yeah, I mean, he was wiggling out of sacks. Rashawn Gary had him dead to rights once, and he did a little pump fake and kind of somehow juked Rashawn Gary. That's an amazing play by Philip Rivers. But uh, yeah, he was he was crafty in that game. He, re- he really uh, he took advantage of some soft spots in the Packers' defense, and you know, he, he got it done when they needed him. No, they call that the phone booth quicks, right? That's what they call it, the phone yeah, booth. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, man, Philip Rivers, he, what, he, is, he is something. But I think one of the big stories coming out of this game is uh, MVS obviously he catches that ridiculous ball that Rodgers throws where third down he's in his own end zone kind of leaning backwards and Rodgers throws a beautiful ball to MVS to keep that game alive what a play that was but then we know what happens next right MVS fumbles the ball in overtime that sets up the Colts for the game winning field goal and that's the game and that's tough that's kind of the up and down thing and we've kind of seen that with MVS throughout right he's he makes these unbelievable plays and we're like man this kid is really going to be something and then he makes like a mental or physical error in a game right so I think one of the Packers Wire writers or correspondents wrote polarizing. He called him a polarizing player for the Packers. Yeah. Do you think that's the right word? Yeah, that's definitely the right word. I mean, you look at his numbers and he has, you know, he has five catches over 40 yards. That leads to the NFL. And, but he also has seven drops. And then, you know, you look at Sunday, he, you know, he draws a big pass interference penalty before the half, sets up a touchdown, catches the bomb on the final drive like you talked about, you know, setting up the game-winning field goal. And they, they were dead to rights, third to 10. It backed up to their own end zone. And then he made that big play. So then, yeah, 
and then he has the fumble in overtime where he, he, he maybe doesn't tuck the ball away and it gets poked out there at the end and kind of ends the game. So, yeah, that, that really highlights his hit and miss ability. You know, it's it's always been a roller coaster with him, MBS. It's, it's big highs and big lows. I'm sure he's not the first player to get uh, nasty comments from fans, oh, yeah. from fantasy players and stuff like this on Twitter. Twitter is a great place for people like us, Zach, that love to consume sports <laughs> content. And there's all yes. kinds of different things that you can use Twitter for. It's also a very vile and dark place at the same time, yes. right? It's a really disgusting place in a lot of ways. And I think MVS tweeting that he was receiving death threats after the game for fumbling a football is is what it is. It was interesting to see that he put that out there, though. He wanted people to know that happened. I don't blame him for that. But what do you think about that tweet and maybe the reaction to it so far from the past? and his teammates having his back and all that. Oh, yeah. His, his teammates rallied around him right away. I mean, everyone had nice things to say about him. Uh, Rodgers and Lafleur backed him up right away in their post-game press conferences, so that was good. But, I mean, it, it's just kind of par for the course with social media. I mean, everyone has access to these athletes, and it's awesome, and you get to interact with them sometimes. You know, that's a beautiful thing about social media. But then, you know, you can you can go to this dark side where you're – tweeting death threats at a football player for fumbling away a game. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. Fan, you know, fans can't be doing that after a game. These guys are, you know, they're not, he didn't try and fumble away the game. Like, it, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm glad all of his teammates came, to his, came up and backed him up, but, you know, that's the dark side of social media, unfortunately. Yeah, man, there's some there's some clueless people out there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I wanted to get your take, Zach, back to the game. So there's this big fourth and one play that the Packers have around three minutes left. They're in Colts territory. They're driving. I don't think Jamal Williams was the number one option on the play for Rodgers, but he ends up trying to fit that ball to Williams on the run, kind of an awkward angle. They don't get it complete. Yep. What'd you see on that play? Uh, and I'm sure it wasn't designed to go to Williams, right? Did the Colts make a good defensive play on that one, in your opinion? Yeah, they did. Um, the Packers kind of drew up a play that I think was almost exactly the same play that they uh, beat Seattle for a big play. Actually, I think it was a touchdown in the playoffs last year. So, yeah, I think they were, they thought they were going to get a good matchup for Devontae off the play action and kind of hit him on the back side of it but yeah the Colts made a, a good play they they covered him up with with I think they bracketed him actually with a corner and a safety took him completely out of the play and you know Rodgers kind of had to improvise with Jamal Williams there but I questioned it at the time because I mean they were a foot away from a first down on fourth down so I, I, I like being aggressive in that situation you know Lafleur could have tried to kick a field goal there and try and tie the game but you know what what's wrong with just doing a quick sneak you know get the foot you need for a first down and then go from there I mean the Colts ran a sneak with Jacoby Brissett and he gained like eight yards in that game. So, yeah, I, I don't love questioning play calls usually, but I, I think even Lafleur said after the game that he might have got a little too aggressive there, but that, that was a big spot, and they kind of blew it there. It's like, I don't know if this is the right word, but it's like you're aggressive and you're a little too cute at the same time, right? Because on Monday yeah, Night Football, exactly. the Buck, the Bucks did something very similar. On a fourth and one, you got Brady, yep. who's like the sneak artist, and they're trying to run some like weird rub route thing yep. with Jamal Adams standing over there, and it's like, what, what are we doing? We're overthinking this. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, you, you don't want to just line up in a big package and you know run a run a dive up the middle because that's you know the most predictable play call you could have but you know just just sneak it he needed a, he needed literally a foot or two just sneak it get it done get the first down and move on we talked about the Colts being a three-phase team there's one phase that I think is kind of plaguing the Packers right now yeah. Zach and I will talk about that coming up next fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays entering week 12. 
New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones returns from his bye week to face a team that is emotionally deflated after losing quarterback Joe Burrow. The Bengals have given up three 30-plus point games in the last five weeks and one that was nearly 22 points. This matchup is 32.3% better than the league average over the last five weeks, and it offers Jones a chance to redeem himself after what has been pretty much a horrid second year. Gamers will have to act fast on this one because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. Baltimore Ravens running back Gus Edwards is in line to see the bulk of the touches after J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list. The upside for Edwards is he faces a team that allowed 16 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown to him in Week 8. The downside is Pittsburgh's been pretty good against running backs all year long. Anytime you have a guy who has an opportunity for the lion's share of work, it's worth getting him into the lineup. Indianapolis Colts rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. versus the Tennessee Titans. These teams met in Week 10, and Pittman posted 7 catches, 101 yards, but he didn't find the end zone. He did make it into the end zone last week, however, for his first pro touchdown. Pittman has averaged 6 targets in the last three games and he's produced wide receiver three or flex territory numbers. He's only getting more comfortable in the offense and now he has one of the finest matchups of the year facing him in week 12. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. faces the Carolina Panthers. Prior to suffering a groin injury a couple weeks ago, he was on the right track and was heating up. Now he gets a chance to rebound facing one of the worst defenses of his position. Carolina has given up seven different performances of at least 10 PPR points in the last six games against tight ends and all five of the touchdowns allowed this year have come in the last eight contests. Smith is risky but there's plenty of upside to be found here. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Zach, I saw the tweet you had uh, earlier today. We're recording on Wednesday, and I think the analytics spell out that the Packers are struggling on special teams. Is that just, is that putting it lightly? <laughs> yeah, just about all the stats say that you know they're pretty terrible on special teams again, and this, it's kind of been a hidden weakness for them at this point in the season. I'd say you know they they've had some bad moments. They had a block punch. You know they gave up a punt return for a touchdown. They had an onside recovery allowed on them. Um, they obviously fumbled away to the kickoff on Sunday, so they've had some struggles punting. Definitely had some struggles returning. Uh, kicks and punts so there's not a whole lot they're doing right at this point on special teams and that's a little scary because you know, like what do we yeah, fix? yeah. You know, what do we fix at this point it's like week 12 the one good thing is mason crosby hasn't missed a field goal that's the yeah. one thing but he's a staple. you know really the, the gap on sunday in, in terms of the special teams quality was you know it was drastic between the packers and the colts they that was really kind of a tipping point for the whole game so and i was wondering when the special team was going to bite him at some point this year and it finally happened sunday and the bears have a pretty good returner coming to lambo on sunday so they always seem to yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a Bears thing. Special teams are going to be back in the spotlight for the Packers again. Another thing I do kind of enjoy is you always kind of, on Twitter, you share your commentary on Rodgers' interview with Pat McAfee. And we've actually played oh, yeah. some sound before. And Rodgers had some interesting commentary on this game. He kind of broke down some of the things that he does. And I know Packers Wire and Twitter is kind of a buzz with the no-look pass from Rodgers, right? Uh, <laughs> t- talk about that and maybe some other highlights that you got from that interview this week. Yeah, I, I thought the no-look thing was pretty interesting because he, he said he was setting it up before that final drive where he uh, there was a first down play and he sees Darius Leonard kind of creeping into the middle of the field. So he, you know, he looked right. And you could see even on the, the Fox broadcast that he looks right. Leonard kind of stops and he kind of threw it behind him to the left. I thought that was a really cool play. And then he also went into, you know, the, what the Packers were thinking on that, that final third down um, of regulation where, you know, he, 
he just kind of overshot Devontae Adams. And he was talking about how in the first half, right before the half when they scored the touchdown to uh, Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams had run that exact same route, kind of a corner route against Kenny Moore um, from the slot, and he was wide open. So, you know, he thought he was going to go back to that route and probably throw a, uh, a game-winning touchdown on that final play of regulation. Kenny Moore made a great play on it. But, yeah, I, I, I love Rodgers with McAfee. I think he's so, uh, you know, he's loose, he's funny, he educates people about what, what's going on during the games. I just, I just love their uh, weekly interview every week. So another phase of the game that the Packers are still trying to master, Zach, is the defensive side of the football. And I saw on uh, Packers Wire that they actually made a, they made a run at Snacks Harrison. Yeah, they they uh, they tried to claim or they, they tried to sign him off uh, Seattle's practice squad. And uh, the Seahawks just responded by signing him to the active roster. And, I mean, they wanted Snacks for a long time. They were calling him all summer trying to gauge his interest in coming to Green Bay. And they really wanted to add to the roster when he was uh, he eventually was ready to return. And I think it was late September, but. He picked Seattle, so you know I I do think he he could have been a, a big help for that run def- run defense. You know you plug him next to next to Kenny Clark, and you know you might have something along that defensive line. But you know he's going to be a factor now in Seattle, so probably a guy the Packers are going to have to beat you know to get where they want to go. Yeah, no doubt. And then maybe we see more of Rashawn Gary. That's another guy that a couple couple writers on Packers Wire have been talking yeah. about, right? What do, what do you think about him? Yeah, you know the Packers outside linebacker coach just said today that you know he's he's probably earned more snaps, and you know he's kind of putting the whole package together and I, I do think it's undeniable that he's playing better than Preston Smith right now deserves more snaps he's, he's stacking successes uh, 11 pressures I think the last two weeks uh, he's been great against the run you know just doing a better job of you know, he's a big powerful guy and when he can he can get that body moving into an offensive line and he can he can overwhelm people on the pass rush and disrupt the quarterback so I'm not going to be surprised I, I think the Packers do really trust um, Preston Smith in that role but I I wouldn't be surprised if the snap coats started, you know, looking more 50-50 with, you know, those two playing, you know, split snaps because there's just really no denying that he's coming on as a second-year player here. We talked about the defense a little bit, and it just feels like there's a lot of off coverage, right? There's a lot of room for receivers to roam, and I don't know if the Packers are going to do that against the Bears. The Bears have not been able to score points against anybody, so we'll see about that, but you know, a team like the Colts where, you know, Rivers' only chance is to kind of time it and throw it into a spot and let a receiver run under it. Man, it was surprising to see how loose and how how back the coverage was. You know, what do you think about that? Do you, you think that's yeah. do the Packers have the personnel Zach to play more press man or are they kind of doing what they got to do with the personnel they have, you know? No, I I think they have the personnel to play press. I mean, Kevin King is a great press corner. He, he's probably at his best when he's pressing and I think Jair Alexander can do just about anything. I think their focus this year has been so much on not giving up deep plays over the top that they've been playing a bunch of off coverage and playing a bunch of two safeties deep that you know they're there is a lot of soft spots underneath, and you saw it a bunch against Colts. I, I don't know how they didn't, you know, make an adjustment the there. Whole game. You know, place, the whole game, yep. Yeah, Rivers wasn't throwing it down the field the entire game. He was just picking spots underneath and letting letting guys run. So, yeah, I, I think they have a, a good basic philosophy of not, not wanting to give up plays over the top, but, you know, a guy like Rivers and you know, a guy like Mitch Trubisky or whoever, whoever the, the Bears are going to start on Sunday, you got to make an adjustment and, you know, make those guys beat you with their arm. All right. It's Turkey Day. We got to find out what Zach's got going, what he's eating, you know, what kind of food he's <laughs> munching down on Thanksgiving. We'll get into all that and the Bears, of course, and the Bears coming up next. <laughs> it's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. 
Hello, happy Thanksgiving from Sportsbook Wire and BetSlip and Podcast. I'm Esther McLaren, joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 12 Monday Night Football game between the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks come in on the road, minus 250 Moneyline favorites. They're laying five points at minus 110 odds. The Eagles, plus 205 on the Moneyline, plus five-point dogs at home, minus 110 odds again, over under 51 and a half. Jeff, how are you feeling? Do the Eagles have any chance of keeping up with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Nope. And you could talk the rest of the time. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks minus five. Uh, Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of performance. Um, Russell Wilson was flirting with an MVP run. Maybe not so much anymore. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. It's all bad news over there in the city of brotherly love between Doug Peterson, um, the GM, Howie Roseman, and Carson Wentz. A lot of people are in trouble over there if they don't get this game in or if they don't win this game. And I'll take the Seahawks minus five. Minus 110 odds for the Seahawks to win by at least six points. I'm going to parlay that with the over 51 and a half minus 106 odds. So a little bit better value there. Seattle and the over 51 and a half odds from BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSlovin Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. All right, Zach, it's COVID. You know, it's a little weird this year. I know things are, traditions are probably shot a little bit, right? We're all doing things a little bit different, but what, yep. what's going on in your household for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we're not, we're not doing a whole lot, to be honest. We're uh, kind of hunkering down. Same, yeah. We're going to, we're going to cook a bunch of food here and, you know, <laughs> probably not leave the house, to be honest. Watch, watch um, a little NFC East football. Yeah, watch, watch some bad football, probably. <laughs> uh, eat a bunch of pumpkin pie and, you know, all the, all the Thanksgiving food, but yeah, that's going to be just about it for us it might not be too bad that way right it might be a little quieter on thanksgiving but i, I gotta right, ask I, you yo, go go ahead no i i have a six month old at home so yeah <laughs> a, a nice quiet thanksgiving is fine with me <laughs> we'll see how quiet it really is we'll, yeah we'll right as far as like the thanksgiving football traditions like i've grew up watching the cowboys on thanksgiving i had this crazy uncle who was all kind of a big mouth and he loved the cowboys he was always he'd always show up at the family thanksgiving thing with the cowboys sweater on and do the thing yeah and i always remember you know rooting for the lions to try to upset someone because the Lions were always terrible and they always had some like weird quarterback playing that you'd never heard of and they're trying to upset like a big team, you know, and that was like Thanksgiving when growing up and, you know, I'm now I'm 35 years old and the Lions and the Cowboys are still playing on Thanksgiving, right, in the same time slots. And right. But now, Zach, because the teams aren't as good this year and I guess the, uh, the schedule isn't as delicious as it could be, right, and we lost <laughs> Ravens-Steelers, right, we're not going to have yeah. that thing to look forward to now. We're going to have to wait till Sunday for that game. And it's got people on social media talking it's got people actually writing articles now that the nfl should look at these traditional games and maybe tinker with it maybe think about flexing doing a flex thing maybe moving the lions maybe moving the cowboys what do you think do you think that's something that you'd like to see or or are you cool with the tradition i'm a very nostalgic person so you know seeing the cowboys and lions every every uh thanksgiving is is nice for me i i honestly wish the packers would play on thanksgiving more they used to play they used to play the lions all the time oh, yeah. they even played the they played the cowboys a couple of times too and i used to love those games you know just eating a bunch of food and watching a packer game on on thanksgiving i thought that was awesome so the old vintage, know, the NFL, uh, uniforms too you know those old uniforms yeah right if the nfl wants to tinker with it and you know they, they want to make a packers 
you know, have them play every Thanksgiving, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I don't know why. Why do I like watching the Lions with like David Blau trying to beat the Packers? You know, like why? Why is that something I like? It's I, it's nostalgia. That's what it is. So I think it's got to be. I think you nailed be. it. I think you nailed it. So all right. So the Packers are home. They're playing the Bears. They're eight and a half point favorites, as they should be, because the Bears are really struggling, Zach. They've lost four yeah. straight. Uh, they're probably going to turn to Mitchell Trubisky for this one. It looks like they're going to get their running back, David Montgomery, back. But we're not exactly sure the quarterback yet, I don't think, as of Wednesday night. No. But it's obviously a must-win game for the Bears. And the Packers are coming off, uh, you know, a, a tough one, a tough loss. So they're, they're looking right. to get back on track. So what's your leadoff takeaway as you're preparing for this one? You know, what, what do you want to see from the Packers against the Bears? And, and how nervous do the Bears actually make you? Well, I'm actually really intrigued by this matchup to be honest I, I think it's another opportunity for the the offense to prove it can function at a high level against a really good defense yeah, yeah. and then I think the Packers need to prove to themselves that they can bring their own energy and start fast and handle some of the elements at Lambeau Field and, you know, play a good game at home. I think it's been months and months since they've played a good game and beat a good opponent at home. So, yeah, I, I think this is a game the Packers need to win. Obviously, the Bears are coming off a bye and they've lost four straight and they're going to be desperate to win too. So, yeah, I, I, I think the Bears have a, a tough defense. They can challenge in some different ways. So, yeah, you know, regardless of who plays quarterback for the Bears, I, I I think it's going to be a good game and I'm definitely intrigued to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think it'll be closer than people think. I do. Yeah. And uh, you know, the one thing you could say what you will about Matt Nagy and I'm I'm not going to if you if you hate Matt Nagy and you want him to get fired, I'm not going to I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not a big Matt Nagy fan. I'm not. But he doesn't get blown out. If you look at the Bears and their track record, they don't lose by 8-9 points very often. They're right. they're usually in right. games. They don't they don't win all the time, Zach. But I might think about this line, especially if it goes up at all, if it, if it creeps up to like nine or something or nine or nine and yeah. a half I would definitely jump on the Bears I think the Packers win but I think I don't think it's a blowout by any means but what do you think about the spread no, eight and a half no even last year I, I think both those games were were under the eight and a half I know that I think maybe the first game was a four point win then maybe the second game was a eight point win I think so yeah the Bears are going to keep this close. They have a defense that, yeah. you know, they can bring it. They got a good defensive line. They're going to stop the run. You know, they got a good secondary. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think the Packers are clearly the better team here. And Mitchell Trubisky doesn't scare me at all as a quarterback. <laughs> Nick Foles doesn't really either. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be predicting a Packers blowout in this one. Well, I did, see a, I did see a Twitter poll, and Bears fans hated Mitchell Trubisky so much. They were so excited for Nick Foles. And now I saw a Twitter poll, and it says, <laughs> who would you rather have, Zach? Would you rather have Foles or Trubisky? Trubisky. I think it was 95% say we want Trubisky back. We're done with Foles. We're done. So. That is, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you don't have a quarterback, I mean, oh, that, that city especially is so starved for a good quarterback that, <laughs> man, they'll do anything, I think, at this point. Oh, yeah. And uh, Trubisky was picked over a couple of big name guys, but we won't, we won't go rehash that. No, we won't. No, we won't. No. That's, that's not fair. They to know. Them, they know. Yeah, you know, we all know the strength of that team is the defense. They, they're only allowing like 20 points a game. They're tough. They're tough on D, so. Should be a good one. We'll see what happens. But, Zach, I appreciate it. We're 13 episodes deep now into the podcast, so I'm uh, super thankful for that. And uh, I just want to say I wish you and the fam happy Thanksgiving and all our listeners. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Yeah, you too, Ryan. Thanks a bunch. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.